Welcome to Breakthrough with Brig, the podcast that teaches high-achieving Black women how to use thought work to break through barriers, get out of their own way, and become their best self in the most loving and sustainable way. Y'all ready? Let's dig in. I have a special treat. Y'all know how I love featuring clients and client spotlights. And I have another client spotlight. So today I'm talking to the lovely, beautiful, badass Sabrina Allen. And I'm going to let her introduce herself to you guys. And then come be a fly on the wall as we talk about the value of coaching for her, what it was like, what was her before, what was her takeaway, all of it. We're just going to have a girl time and you guys can just listen in. Sabrina, tell them a little bit about you and what you do. All right. So I am Sabrina. I'm a general life coach. I work with millennial women who are sort of in that, I like to call it the quarter life crisis. So they're just like been working for a few years, aren't sure what they want to do. And just need to like unpack that and figure out what next for me. That's sort of who I work with. Former client of Briggs, worked with her for six months. And we spent a lot of time unpacking who I work with and what I do and <laughs> how I'm going to do it. I love it. I love it. And I think, I think you're perfect for that niche. <laughs> I think you can do anything. So some kind of bias, but yeah, I think you could do anything. So let's go back to what brought you to deciding I wanted a life coach. Like, what was it? Yeah. When I started my coaching practice, I had been working with clients for a few months and just not really seeing the growth that I wanted to see in my practice and with my clients. And so I thought I needed to get a one-on-one coach so that I could really create that transformation in myself so that I could help my clients have that transformation. So I started reaching out to some coaches and kind of fell in love with Frank. Nice. <laughs> well, I fell in love with you too. So we're good. <laughs> the feeling's mutual. So and we talked about this off thing, but I get this a lot. Like a lot of people say that they're afraid to work with me or that image. I don't know what the image is, but did you pick up on any of that vibe or were you concerned about like working with me? Like I'm going to be all mean and stern or what, what was it? I think that for me, you give off like mom energy, right? I was like, okay, this could be like working with my mom or this could be like really amazing. <laughs> I wasn't sure. So I don't think you give off stern at all. And coming from a very corporate world, like stern isn't something that scares me at all. But I definitely was like, okay, I'm not really sure if I'm going to feel like I can be really open and authentic with this person. And then we did the consult and I was just like, oh my God, she's super authentic. Like, why can I not be authentic? Right. But yeah, I do think that like you give off a very sure, a very certain energy. And if you aren't super certain, it can be intimidating. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I just think I want us as Black women to be very certain to like, even in our uncertainty, to be 
certain in who we are and our value. So I think that's one of the things, like if we're questioning our value or like, it's not like I think other people don't have opinions. Like I can totally rock with anybody's opinion and still hold minds. But I think I'm the complete opposite. That's why I'm like, huh, because I like coach everybody and I treat everybody with such like compassion is my thing. Like at the end of everything is compassionate for yourself. Like to understand you and for everybody to be their most authentic self. So if I model my authenticity, I hope that that's the thing that people see so that they do the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And I definitely think it comes across in a one-on-one setting, right? You get on the console call with you and you start working with you. Like you're so real, you're so authentic and you will lay it all out there and it comes across. But I think that just initially there was a little bit of like, I'm not sure, but like, let's try it. Well, I'm glad you made the call. You're not the first person to say that. So I, I hear people that say, oh, I'm afraid to work with her. Oh my God. But yeah, there's nothing to be afraid of because we're talking about your thoughts, like not yeah. mine, your thoughts. So anyway, I just wanted to like get that out there in the open. So, so we can like, I can just put out the welcome wagon to people who are like, I'm afraid to work with Brick. Like, no, I don't think there's anything to fear. And I think that we all think that our thoughts are unique, right? We think that we are the hottest mess, like, right? Whatever our situation is, we think that like, it's going to be awful. And like, you're going to get on the call with somebody that has everything together and it's going to be judgment, right? Or it's going to be like, oh, I'm going to have to lay out all my, my dirty laundry in front of somebody who like, you know, never has dirty laundry or whatever. So I do think that there is some of that also. And I think that comes with, coaching in general, like even, you know, I'm sure you get clients on consults who are like embarrassed to tell you or don't want to tell you or like have a hard time telling you. Right. So I think that you just come across so certain and confident. And then as an individual, you're just like, I'm a hot mess. She's not going to understand my hot mess. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, I totally get it. And yeah. this is hot mess city. Like, come on, hot mess day. Like not namaste, yeah. hot mess day. <laughs> My hot mess meets your hot mess. And we realize together there's no hot mess. There's just humanness. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's all we are. It's like just humans, right? Having human experiences. And that's what coaching is. Like that's the value of coaching is what's the difference between like talking to, to me about certain things and talking to like your best friend, like going to your best friend. What's the difference in having a coach for that? Are we talking about like from a, what makes it intimidating standpoint where you know that your best friend's a hot mess, right? Like, you know, all her business. So (laughs) if you're going to tell her your business, it's like, okay, but she can't judge me because you know that she's a hot mess. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But also the difference is your best friend's going to get in the pool with you. Right. Yeah. So for people who don't know coach talk, what does that mean? Like get in the pool with you. Like your best friend is a hot mess. And so if she's a hot mess, you bringing your hot mess isn't necessarily going to help you figure it out. It really is just going to keep you in that place of confusion or misery or whatever, you know, is causing your suffering at that time. And so there is a difference in having a coach, right? Somebody who is sort of on the other side of it, somebody who can see your brain from the outside. And, you know, my mom says all the time when you're in the woods, 
you can't see your way out, but mm-hmm. somebody on the outside of the woods, right, can direct you, make a left here, go straight there, right? Because they're on the outside. Mm-hmm. Your best friend is in the woods with you. So she, she might be able to tell you a little bit, but she's not going to be able to get you out the way a coach who's standing on the outside who can say, okay, but like, what would happen if you went last, right? What would happen if you took three steps forward? What would happen if you took four steps backward, right? But that can be intimidating, especially as Black women. We've been taught to like, keep it to ourselves, push it down, don't share it with the world, don't show your weakness, right? So it can be intimidating to like, okay, I'm going to go to somebody I don't know, and I'm going to empty out all of my stuff that I'm carrying around with me and I'm going to pray that they're not judging me. Right. But that's the opposite of what a good coach does. hundred percent. Yeah. It truly like, what is that planet fitness says no judgment zone. Like our coaching containers, it's our job as coaches. And I know you do an amazing job of this too, as a coach too, is like, no, there's no judgment here. I just want to help you get to wherever you want to go. Yeah. If you want to stay there. Fine. If you want to move from there, fine. I got you either way. Yeah, it's so true. But right, our brains, they're going to tell us the opposite, right? Your brain is going to tell you all the things that this person right. is not even thinking about you, but might be thinking about you. Right. <laughs> even as a coach, right? My brain does that. Like, I remember very distinctly in times when we would have conversations and it would be a hard topic and I'd be like, I don't want to tell the truth about this, but like, it is nobody's judging me here. <laughs> and it only benefits me to be honest about the situation. Right. And what happened once you were honest? <laughs> Then we work through it, right? But I just remember distinctly, especially like, you know, at one point when we were dealing with breakup stuff, coming to you in a session and not wanting to like tell you that like, no, I actually did not go no contact like we decided. (laughs) Right? And it was okay. Like we won't do it. There's no thing that you can't say that I'm like, okay, now what do you want to do? It's always like, how can we solve? I think that's the difference between a girlfriend. Like, And for me, I, once I became a coach, I really worked on when am I a girlfriend and when am I a coach? Cause when I'm a girlfriend, I'm like, they did what, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. I'm like, I'm in there with you. Like that's the pool. Like, uh, uh, no, they did not do that. Right. Who do they think they are? They don't know this. Da, 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 da. But as a coach. I'm so offended for you. (laughs) Yes. As a coach, I'm like, I get out the pool, I dry off, I put my clothes on. Like, yeah, we're not drowning together. Because like, if you're drowning and I'm agreeing, they shouldn't and they need to do this and this needed to happen and this is unfair. All the things that they can't control, like that we can't control, then we're both drowning. Right. But as a coach, I'm like, okay, let me get out the pool and show you how, because I can't drown with you. I can't agree that we need to change all of this because the only thing we can decide we're going to change is ourselves. And that is so powerful, but to get belief in that is the thing, right? Oh, good. Yeah. 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 So what was your biggest takeaway? I think my biggest takeaway, and this sounds so like minor, but my biggest takeaway was really understanding that my thoughts, are not me, right? That my thoughts are optional, that my thoughts are not even true. Just because I think it doesn't make it the news. And I think that like intellectually, I knew that going into coaching as a coach, but really I wasn't practicing that. I wasn't really embodying that. And coaching really forced me to like unpack that and really look at it and embody that and practice that myself, not just preach it to my clients. Right. 
what was it about the coaching that helped you to embody it and practice it? Why was the coaching the thing? Showing me, right? That's mm-hmm. what a coach does is showing you how you're creating this thought, right? And how you could choose a different thought and what it would look like if you chose a different thought and how you can even begin to choose a different thought. And also, I think giving me permission to even sit in the thoughts that didn't serve me, right? I think right. so often we are got to change that thought, got to change that thought. Like once you realize that the thoughts are optional, then you get on this hustle of changing the thought. And you gave me permission to sit in the thought if you don't want to change it. I remember you saying that to me, like, look, I don't have an agenda here. If you don't want to change the thought, don't change it, right? And giving me permission to sit in the thoughts that didn't serve me so that I could still work through them yes. and handle that emotion and deal with that emotion and do what I needed to do with it. You know, when I came to coaching, I always joke I only had four emotions. Like, tell my clients this, right? I had four emotions. That was it. Right. If it wasn't one of those four emotions, I was like, I don't know what to do with this, right? So it really giving me permission to like hold on to the thoughts that didn't serve me as long as I needed to Mm -hmm. and work through those emotions made a world of difference. Yeah. I think it is when we like learn to sit in those emotions when we have power over them. Like when we're like, I got to change the thought. Like as soon as we start thinking, I had one client that was like, I can't think of scarcity thought about money. Once she realized, like when you start thinking about money in a scarce way, then she was like, I got to change the thought. I got to change the thought. And only thing that did was keep her thinking about thinking it. about scarcity of scarcity. money. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> like, what if it's okay that you have the thought? Because once we realize that thoughts are really involuntary things, like what we think about ourselves like whatever we say, I am, this is who I am. This is how I identify. I think the problem with our thoughts is like, we literally believe that shit. Like I have clients every week telling me I am this, or this is what I am, or I have a history of this and they believe it. And I'm like, that is not who you are. Right. And then showing people like that is actually a thought that you're creating and you are identifying with that. But at any moment, you can change your identity by thinking you are something else, right? Yeah, that was so powerful, I think, for me. But it also was important that I learned to sit in it. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that was uncomfortable for me in the beginning. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, feeling our emotions, like, come on now, we're Black women. What's our word? I ain't got time for that, <laughs> right? <laughs> we got to keep it moving. We got to keep it pushing, right? The only problem is, is I think when we get to a certain level, the way we got there doesn't work to get to the next level. Yeah. And it's like literally needing to learn a different toolbox, a different skill set. And one of those skill set is not being afraid of an emotion. I think when we have a negative emotion and you can chime in. It's like we think that means something negative about us. Like if I'm sad or disappointed. We think the person, whatever that thing did, like we're not going to give them the credit for making us sad or disappointment. Mm-hmm. That's not what that is. <laughs> yeah. Where did we get that from? It is this like negative emotions are they're just scary, right? It even made me think about like something as a parent, right? I used to say to my son all the time, fix your face or I'll give you something to cry about. Like, you right? know, those whole, all those like very toxic things that were said to us as children that we repeat to our so it's like no oh of course right no wonder 
you grow up thinking you can't have negative emotions, right? If as a kid, every time you were crying, somebody was telling you to fix your face. Right. Or, or give you, you don't something have to, cry to cry about. about. Yeah. Like, of course you're like, okay, that's a negative emotion. I can't have that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it is a very uncomfortable place when you get to like this new growth where you're like, okay, no, I've got to sit in this emotion. I've got to own this shit. I've got to claim it. I've got to like carry it around with me for as long as I need to. Until I'm ready to put it down. Yeah, that can be something really scary. I think it's black women because we think it means we're weak, right? It means that like something's wrong with us, right? And it can go so much further into like how society makes it okay for other women to cry, but just not for us. Like it's right? not okay for us. Oh, yeah. It's we can, not okay for the us. The white woman can cry all day and all night right. and the whole world stops, yes. right? But Yeah. We cry and they're like, oh, you're being over dramatic and over emotional or you're being angry. Yeah. Don't get cry and angry. Oh, you're angry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Completely different. Yeah. But I'd like to remind our, ourselves of why culturally as black women, we are taught from everybody like. Don't show emotion. If you think about it, like it was a coping mechanism for our survival. Right. Like 100%. if you really think about it, we were to be seen and never heard like we weren't allowed to share emotion because if we shared emotion, then that would admit that we were human. And people who owned slaves didn't want to know that the slaves that. were human. Yeah. Right. Like you're not supposed to be crying. What do you mean? Right. So we had to be taught like to stuff our emotions because it was our survival. So we took that. And you were considered strong if you could like stuff your emotions after a negative incident because you had to still show up to work and act like nothing happened. Yeah, there was no time off. (laughs) No, literally insulted, right? Yeah. And you couldn't get angry or whatever. So it was the survival instinct that we have passed on and passed on that Mm -hmm. that fix your face. I'll give you something to cry about right now says that but like a hundred years ago it was necessity fix your face or it's going to get worse right so we just kept passing that on from generation to generation and not realizing that we don't have to continue to deny our humanness i think that is like one of the things i love about coaching black women is like Dripping away the societal things that we kept as survival mechanisms that no longer serve us. Right. Right. We get to feel our emotions like everybody else. Yeah. And And that was something I think that was very like, oh, for me. Right. Because you don't even realize you're doing that. You just are doing it. It's this autopilot. You don't realize like. I remember you asked me once, did you take time to grieve for that? And I thought, like, what the hell do you mean? Like, no, (laughs) I don't have time for that. I even think I told you I don't have time for that. Right? Yeah, I think you don't even realize you're doing it until it's pointed out. And sometimes I think it has to be pointed out multiple times for you to really realize, like, oh, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. The value of that is, like, when you start understanding that there is not an emotion that you can't feel Mm -hmm. process that it will go up crescendo and come back down and you'll be okay when you can tell your body your nervous system and everything like oh we can do this we've done this before yes Mm -hmm. this is disappointing this doesn't mean i'm weak i'm desperate this just meant i was a human having a human experience Mm -hmm. and it's okay that i'm disappointed like i can give myself that 
and know it's my thoughts that's creating it, but I just get to be here. Like I don't have to beat myself up because my thoughts are creating my negative emotion, right? Yeah. You get to be here and be human. But I think the value of that is when we want to go to the next level, that means getting out of our comfort zone and feeling discomfort. Yeah. And that means to us, that means a bigger fall because we're already successful, right? Like we already have everything. So when we go to the next level, that means we may fall in our minds farther down because like I'm already successful. And, you know, in our culture, like, what do you mean you you leaving that good job? job, Right. (laughs) Right. So it's like being willing to feel your emotions is the thing that's going to be able to allow you to get out your comfort zone, because I find so many people come to me and they're stuck in this comfort zone level, like they're totally happy. They've made it, but they know there's more to them, but they can't break that cycle. And it's the willingness to experience negative emotion. It's the willingness to challenge those thoughts. And I think it's allowing yourself to be right there where you are in your human experience that will be like, well, what will happen? Well, I'll be embarrassed. Okay. Well, I think I felt that before. I'm still alive. Right. And having a coach who's willing to point out the social, I don't want to say norms, I'm not sure the word, right? Ramifications or expectations as a black woman was very freeing for me, right? I had worked with other coaches before, but never a coach who was just going to say, look, as a black woman, society expects you to do this. Like, I think I remember the first time that came out of your mouth and it was like, you're right. Like there's something freeing that comes from working with a coach who can admit like to the things that you feel going on inside of you, whether they're thoughts or not, right? Whether it's a circumstance or not, but like we can all acknowledge like, yes, this is a circumstance, right? Yes, it might be, but like, this is what we're going to do about it. Or like now what, right? Rather than just sort of passing it on as like, yes, society treats you different because you're black. Yes, there's a different expectation because you're a black woman, not sort of gaslighting ourselves, Mm-hmm. into thinking that like, no, it's just my thoughts. Like, no, it's just my thoughts. No, you've been conditioned to feel this way and that's okay. And it is just your thoughts. And like, we're going to work through that. But right. acknowledging the conditioning was really something that I think was so priceless for me and helping me learn to like sit in it and like be okay with it. I don't know if that I, makes sense. Yeah, it does. Because I think that's the thing that allows us to like understand, oh, those thoughts that I have are conditioned thoughts. That's mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, I am not my thoughts. Like, yeah, I used to think I was loud because society told me I was loud. And I remember going yeah. to a nurse's station not too long ago, like a year ago when I was still doing anesthesia and coming in in my vibrancy and someone said, oh, you're so loud. And I was like, yes, I am. And I love it. <laughs> right. Hey. It's like I no longer like, oh, my God, I'm being loud. Like I no longer yeah. took that when we really realize like, oh, we've been conditioned to think that this is the right way and I'm the wrong way. And as long as I have those thoughts in my head and I edit myself according to that, I'm subscribing to some thoughts that some people had that decided 400 years ago, 500 years ago, a thousand years ago, I, I don't have to subscribe to that. And that's yeah. when you start really seeing like, oh, those are just thoughts. Yeah. Right? So good. Yeah. Right? And then you get to take it to, well, do I have to define that as a failure? So now I like get to take the big leap because if I know thoughts are just what I make them, 
just because y'all say that's a failure, I don't have to say that's a failure. Yeah. And I'm no special snowflake uniform, right? These <laughs> thoughts are not just like these thoughts that are plaguing me. Now I have another successful Black woman who's telling me, like, girl, I had those same thoughts. Like, that's what you don't get with your girlfriend, right? Your girlfriends usually aren't going to tell you their most deep insecurities, right? I mean, you get a coach who's like, yeah, girl, I've been there, done that. Yeah, I've done that. I've been down that road. Like, you're no special unicorn because you feel like something's wrong with you for doing this. (laughs) Right. Not only that, but I'm quick to tell you, oh, yeah, I had that thought just two minutes ago, right? Like, (laughs) they still come. Like, normalizing because I think for us especially as coaches or those who start thought work it's like the thoughts are still coming I'm like you're kidding me really like involuntary but we make that mean something about us like I'm still thinking I'm not enough I'm like we're probably going to still have that thought up until the day we die like there's some thoughts that come on repeat but thoughts are harmless until we give them meaning the problem is is we're giving the thoughts meaning yeah Right. And so without even realizing it, though, I think, right. Because You don't realize it's a thought. I think that's one of the things you really worked on is like you started seeing that, oh, I don't have to give it meaning. Yeah. I think that for so long, I wasn't recognizing that these were even thoughts. Like I said, if I was thinking it had to be true, it wasn't even like, (laughs) it wasn't even a register that like, this is a thought. It was just like, okay, that's the truth. Right. And really seeing that like, no, this is a thought. And yeah, for you telling me like that thought's never going to go away. What are we going to do about it now? And like really accepting, okay, that isn't going to go away. Now what, right? I have to decide that I'm ready now because I'm waiting to escape this experience that isn't ever going to come. Right. Yeah. So good. When we make how we feel mean our readiness, (laughs) (laughs) we'll be waiting a long time. Long time. (laughs) Right. So... What's your after at like now? I know you said you're before. What's your after like now? If you were like, I gained this, what's your after? Yeah, I still have the thoughts, mm-hmm. but now I know how to neutralize them. I know how to slow down, right? I know how to give myself compassion when I am having those thoughts mm-hmm. or even when the thoughts are more than just a thought, right? If I'm face down crying, <laughs> It's okay. This isn't a problem. And I used to be so afraid to like allow myself to go there with the deep sadness or go there with the, you know, whatever the emotion was, because I had this idea in my head that if I went there, I couldn't come back from it. Right. And now I know how to come back from it. I know how to neutralize the thought. I know how to like just sit in it and be okay with it. And it's affected the way I parent, the way I talk to my son is so much different. My relationship with my mom is I used to make my son's behavior define how I was as a parent, right? Mm-hmm. So if my son was doing teenage boy things, right? Not listening, getting bad grades, like whatever. It was like this downward spiral for me. I mean, we even spent a few sessions on like, this happened with my son and I'm making this mean I'm a bad parent. And really accepting that like, no, he has his own model, right? He's got his own thoughts and his own feelings and he's going to act from that place. And like, it doesn't have to change my thoughts and my feelings. I just get to love him and support him as he goes through his journey. And it's helped me just take my hands off some of the controlling stuff that was Mm -hmm. happening, right? Because I was making his behavior mean something about me. And so when I'm making your behavior mean something about me, then that means you have to act a certain way. (laughs) 
which means I need to control the way that you act. And so being able to let that go and nope, he's going to act how he's going to act. And I'm still going to be a good mom. Right. How did that help you become even a better mom by doing that though? Cause I know a lot of parents are probably listening to that, but wait a minute, I do have to control them. Like how did that actually transfer to you being a better parent? He's learning, right? I'm one, I model it for him, right? The compassion for myself. I have compassion for him. So then he can learn how to have compassion for himself, how to take responsibility for himself and his own actions, because, you know, he's 16. I only have a year left with him. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to like, you know, you're going off to college. You need to be able to make decisions without mommy in your pocket all the time. Mm-hmm. And what better place to practice that than under my own roof, right? right. So it has just allowed me to I ask better questions with him. I listen better with him. Right. Cause you're not um, making, it's not about you. So you're not emotional. Not about, yeah. Right. So now you're yeah. bringing your higher thinking brain to it. So let me, let me ask questions about this. Let me slow down. Like what is going yeah. on, son? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm not as emotionally attached to the outcome. Yeah. Which right? I think adds to connection. Like I could give you the feeling of like, we're still connected. Mm-hmm. You're okay. And these are my rules. So this is what I want to do, but it's not yeah. like I get to be more loving in it. Yeah. To yeah. me and him, because me making all their thoughts, what kids do about me, I ain't doing them, but keeping me up, sleeping, tossing and turning <laughs> all night long, crying and boohooing and they having a good time. I'm like, wait, right. <laughs> wait a minute. Cause if it worked to control them, but it doesn't control them. Right. They're yeah. still going to do what they want to do, but I get to sleep at night and I don't have to dissolve the connection and I get to honor my rules and uh, how I want to show up to. Yeah. My relationship with my mom is so much better, right? Because we're so different, but it's so much easier. Now I'm very much able when she starts criticizing or she starts saying things I don't like, you know, the old me would just blow up. Like, why are you criticizing me? And like, we always have something to say about everything. Right. And we would fight. My mom and I couldn't talk more than 30 minutes without it turning into an argument. And now it's just like, Oh, these are her thoughts. <laughs> you know, I can just, I just like, Oh, these are her thoughts. Right. I don't know. But for me, it's like I changed from because my kids literally used to call me tsunami mommy. I think I sent out a email about that. Like they literally called me tsunami mommy. I could like go from zero to 100 and 15 seconds flat, probably like tsunami mommy. And it's like I still can come home and there's dishes in the sink. And I'm like, yep, there's dishes in the sink take the pause and like not be reactive, but respond. Yeah, There's so much power and control from reacting than responding. When you respond, you respond with power, even at work, the email, the boss, the coworker that says the shit, there's reacting to it. And then there's responding. Yeah. Well, when you react, you're giving the power to the person. Yes. Right. They have all the control. And when you respond, it's this pause, this moment of like, who do I want to be in this moment? Mm -hmm. How do I want to show up right now? Mm -hmm. Right. I get to show up from a place of love or I get to be angry. And sometimes I choose anger, right? (laughs) But it's coming from a choice. Right. Rather than feeling like you made me, right? That's one of those Mm -hmm. statements that drive me crazy. People like, you made me, she made me. me Yeah. (laughs) 
right? <laughs> you made me mad. <laughs> yeah. You have no power in that statement. That is such a powerless statement, right? And so now that I'm able to really slow down and think just because I'm thinking it doesn't make it true, I'm able to decide who do I want to be in this moment, Mm -hmm. right? 10 years from now, when my son thinks back to this moment, who do I want him to remember his mom as being? Yeah. So good. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So tell them how, or just kind of give us a glimpse as to like, you wanted this transformation and you were like, okay, how are you infusing this into your coaching? I know your clients just love you. Tell me all the things. So, you know, I went first Mm -hmm. and because I've gone first with this thought work and really embodying it and bringing it to my own life, so much more able to like walk my clients through it and help my clients get to this place of neutral. I think that's the place that I was missing in my coaching before, right? I understood that the negative and I understood the positive, but I was missing the neutral. Mm, And so now I'm able to really help my clients get to neutral in their thoughts, get to neutral in their feelings about circumstances and situations in their lives. And then from neutral, we can pick a place of power. Now we can decide, right? It's such a good place to be because now Mm. we can decide. You can be angry at that man. I'm okay with that, but choose it rather than he made me. Right. So that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients is just getting to that place of being neutral, whether it's that job that they hate, because I guess so many people come to me for that, right? If you really hate this job, we're going to get you to neutral at this job before you decide to leave it, because Mm -hmm. you're going to take you with you to the next job. Right. Totally. (laughs) I used to have a, a friend that would take the best vacations ever, like the best vacations ever. Like whenever she was stressed, she would take an amazing vacation. And after about 15 of these, I don't know how many, but you know, after multiple of these, she realized on the beach, oh, I'm taking me with me in my brain, (laughs) right? So I think what you're giving your clients is so invaluable. Like we live in our brains, in our bodies for the rest Mm -hmm. of our lives. So why can't it be a place of safety? A place of comfort, not war, Mm -hmm. not editing and beating ourselves up, but a place of that you even are allowed to fuck up and know that you have you like in your bones. Mm -hmm. Because I think when you know that you're going to have you with a fuck up, then you take more risk. And I think when you take more risk, we make more money and we have power (laughs) and we can change the fucking world. Yeah, and you have more fun. Yes, right? So much more fun. Fun. Even when the people are like having all the thoughts about you, you're like, "Mm, you're having some thoughts about me, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like I no longer have to fight in every fight that my brain invites me to. Mm -hmm. So good. Right? Because our brain will have us fighting WWE every minute. Like... (laughs) Yeah, I don't have to engage in every fight I'm invited to. Yeah, totally. All right. Yeah. What else okay. you want to say? Anything we missed? Uh, no, I think that's it. You know, the other thing I think that I'm, I've added to my coaching that I wasn't using before is how do you feel, right? That's my new mm-hmm. favorite question. And I, it's so funny, right? Because who we are, I think it's who we attract. And so if everything that we have gone through in the last six months together I feel like my clients are bringing to the table. I'm like, oh yeah, (laughs) we walked through this already. (laughs) I know this, right? Yeah. So I feel like I have this 
influx of clients who have those same four emotions that I had when I met you. <laughs> and so we, we walk through a lot of like, really, I hear what you think. Now let's talk about what you feel, right? Let's yes. really tap into that. Let's really talk about that. Right. So uncomfortable for everyone. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a revolutionary act for us to reclaim our humanness. Mm-hmm. And like, we get to feel all the fucking emotions like everybody else. And I yeah. love processing and like taking them on journeys and teaching people how to like, self-soothe how to be that person for themselves mm-hmm. and i'm glad that you're giving that to your clients yeah so glad. there's so much power in it so much power all right well thank you guys for listening follow miss saprina give them your instagram where can they follow you on instagram i am at it's saprina saprina with a p Okay. S-A-P-R-I-N-A. It's Saprina mm-hmm. on Instagram. And do you have a website? It's SaprinaAllen.com. Okay. SaprinaAllen.com. And that is it. Follow her, especially if you are a millennial going through transition or knowing like, wait a minute, this it? Like I went to school, I got the job and this what it is? Like, mm-hmm. okay. Like if you're in that space, Check out Sabrina. All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. So good. (laughs) If you enjoyed this podcast and want to take thought work even deeper with me as your guide, opportunities to work with me one-on-one are available. Go to BrickJohnson.com to schedule your own personal breakthrough call. 30 minutes, we'll see if working together is a great fit. BrickJohnson.com. B-R-I-G-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. See you next time.